Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Paul Dushevsky, who is the founder of Great Builds. And Great Builds is a free service that connects homeowners with reliable general contractors and provides ongoing project support. Previously, Paul was a partner at a real estate company that invested in single-family real estate assets. They purchased, renovated, and resold over 350 homes cumulatively valued at over $200 million. Paul has an extensive experience in the real estate industry. We talked through how he started this company, how he got to this point, where he's looking at taking this beyond, and much, much more. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. Without further ado, here is Paul Dashevsky, the founder of Great Builds. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin, good to be with you. Yeah, and with your experience across a number of different uh, companies, especially in real estate, though, and now with your latest venture, I want to hear a little bit about what is Great Builds and how did that get started, Paul? Yeah, thanks. Um, Great Builds is kind of a matchmaker. We're uh, we're a free online service here in Southern California now um, that matches homeowners who need to renovate or do home improvement projects uh, at their house with reliable pre-vetted uh, general contractors, uh, we match them together, uh, and then the Great Builds team stays involved through the entire renovation process to keep the contractor accountable and make sure that uh, the job gets done right and everything goes smoothly. With that, in terms of starting this company, then how did the idea come come about? So I spent ten years before I started Great Builds uh, flipping homes. I had a home flipping company. And uh, there's one thing I noticed uh, that if you if you happen to hire a good contractor, uh, you would have a pretty good experience with your renovation. And uh, if you happen to hire not so good contractor, it was really miserable the entire time. Um, <laughs> and that was my own experience. But what the funny thing is, I would tell people that I would meet what I did for a living, and people found flipping interesting, right? But yeah, they would love to tell me their own nightmare remodel. Oh, I'm going through it now and it's taking three times as long. Why does my contractor always ask me for, you know, more money? And oh, I went through it. My house flooded and I had to call the insurance. Like there's always a nightmare remodel. I thought, does everyone have this problem? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, so I did a little bit of research because, you know, I knew I had the problem, but I didn't think everybody did. So did a little bit of research and I found a statistic, which I thought was absolutely glaring. Um, one of the um, one of the online contractor sites did a survey a couple of years ago, and they surveyed people after they finished a home remodel. Over fifty two, over fifty percent, about fifty two percent of homeowners surveyed said they had a bad experience with their contractor or remodel. And I thought, this, you know, other than politics, I can't think of any other industry where over fifty percent of the people are unhappy with the product. <laughs> and I thought. There's got to be a way. There's got to be something here. So that's the that's the space I decided to tackle. With that too, understand that you had this problem, like, like personally looking at it as well. And then how are you evaluating that? What questions are you asking or what kind of data are you really looking for before you dive in? Because it's starting a company. There's a, lot, there's a lot to that. It's a big commitment to it. I, I'm curious in the research phase, what were you looking for within that before you decided to really dive in with this? Um, well, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of research, you know, we tried to do, um, as a matter of fact, the first thing we started or we wanted to start when we 
we were looking into this space was a little bit different. We thought, okay, so people have problems with contractors. Um, can we help them? Can we be some kind of helpline where uh, I'm having an issue with my contractor. Uh, I call a service and I say, here's my problems. Here's what's happening. And, and, we're, and we're there to help you. We give you solutions. We give you resources. We talk you through it. We give, get you an attorney, whatever it takes. And we realized quickly that it's not, that's not really a great market. And it's a little bit late for the client. They're already in a jam, <laughs> which is yeah. like they need help. And I, I get that. And we want to be a resource for them too, but it's late. What we missed is we wanted to go further upstream and say, how do we make sure this doesn't happen in the first place? And the answer to that is you hire a good contractor. Like it's literally right. that simple. They were unfortunate to hire one of the 50% that was bad and now they need to get out of it. Uh, and, and, and what we really want is we really want clients and people to do a good job vetting contractors and that's what we do up front so they find the right contractor that'll give them a good experience and most people just like myself you none of us think we're going to get in a car accident none of us think we're going to get cancer none of us think we're going to get a bad contractor we feel like oh we met the guy he seemed sweet he was great and, you know he smelled nice but he's on his best behavior it's your first date with him so uh you don't know you can't tell so what we do is we said instead let's go further upstream help people find a good contractor match them with a good contractor step one step two is be involved throughout the process because something will happen you know things will miscommunication <laughs> we'll be there to step in and say let us help you you know with these little issues so that that that's the that's the genesis yeah, and understand that there's a we behind this. It's not just you, Paul. Then who mm -hmm. is the, the the original team that's helping uh, make this come to life? It's just myself and uh, my co-founder, John. John's actually my nephew. Um, he comes from maybe a little bit more of a technology background. He's kind of a, a young entrepreneur. He's in his twenties. I'm I'm a little older. I have, I have some gray hairs. I've, I've you know I've been in <laughs> construction. I've been in real estate. I've I've started a few companies. Uh, but we figured together we could tackle this. We, you know, built out a, a small team and we're just, we're just local here in Los Angeles and Southern California trying to build out this model. But we can tell from just the short amount of time that we've been in business that people are really hungry, you know, and really need something like this to help them along because construction and renovations are not like a pair of shoes where you can go online and figure it out. Everyone's got, when it comes to a project, everyone's project is different. Every project is completely different because of their house, their needs, their demands, their design uh, expectations. So they need someone. I think most people want someone to go to other than just an online technology only. Let me find a contractor and sift through, you know, X number of contractors platform. They really want someone to talk to. And that's what we have a staff that you can talk to. To, to answer questions, to give guidance, to uh, talk about costs and budgets and needs and constraints and contractors um, before they really get started. And that's sort of the service we want to be. We want to help match people with the right contractors, but we also want to give them any kind of guidance that they need up front so they have the knowledge um, to, to, you know, to undertake this big, expensive project. 
And with that too, then what is the business model behind this with great builds in terms of uh, your pricing, how you go about that? You don't just necessarily say exactly what it is. I'm sure it could, could change, but I'm just curious on the business sure. model behind the company. Well, we felt strongly that it should be free to the client, free to the user, right? Even if they didn't use us, they could call us and say, what do you do? And how does it work when I need to do a kitchen? And what if I want to remodel my whole house? Do I need to move out? Like, go ahead and call us and ask any questions, get as much guidance, and it's totally free. That, that was important to us. And then the way we decided we want to get paid was we'll match them with these great contractors. And um, we, we really vet and screen our contractors. So we only make sure that we're, we're, we're matching them with good, good solid people. Um, and if we match the contractor with this great client and we, you know, we're successful at matchmaking them because the client picked the contractor, which of course they have no obligation to do, that the contractor would pay us a success fee because they secured this great project with a great client. Yeah, it makes total sense to charge on that side. And it's a great value add. I'm sure it's easy, easier on the acquisition side with, with the potential customers as well. On that note, then, how are you going about you know, building this out with, with getting new customers, more people to find out about what you're doing? Obviously, it's a, a need for many people that are going through this. But how are you then acquiring new customers? Yeah, it's funny. That's that's like the hardest piece of the puzzle that we sort of didn't expect um, naively, which I think, you know, yeah, as entrepreneurs, we're naive about a lot of things. And that's why we just jump in. Of course. Um, I don't have a marketing background. My um, my, my uh, partner, nephew, doesn't have a, a large uh, uh, marketing background. And so we kind of assumed, um, well, we're, we'll do what we think we'll have to do. We'll do PPC and AdWords and uh, SEO and Facebook and YouTube, just, you know, the world of, of marketing. Um, and we started dabbling in every one of those and sort of saw very limited success. And then we hired companies, uh, you know, we're bootstrapped. So we, we try to keep it lean, um, but we hired companies and no, oh, well, let's try PPC and, 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 and let's try this. And um, a lot of times it failed. And what, what was frustrating to me is I have a lot of resources. I'm, I'm a little older, so I built a, a wide network of people. And so I would reach out to as many people as I could. And I said, here's the business I'm trying to build. Yeah. What form of inter- what form of digital marketing should I use? And I honestly thought like if I talked to enough people and I would have people connect me with other people and they were marketing people and I said, here's what I want to do. And I, I, I didn't get one straight answer like, oh, you should definitely do this or you should definitely do that. It was a lot of try this, try that. Um, we're, we'll build a strategy for you. Write us a $50,000 check. I couldn't believe, I just didn't understand that marketing is not what, not a science whatsoever. And you just have to, you just have to write a bunch of checks and, and, and see what works. And, um, of all the things we did, and trust me, we, we sort of tried it all. We've had, we advertised <laughs> in magazines. We hired a business development person. Like, I'm just like, I like to test and just try and see what happens, see what sticks. Of all the things we tried, we've been a little bit fortunate that we have a couple of, our SEO worked the best. We've had some blogs that rank on, you know, on, on Google. And that's, yeah. that's sort of, that was our that first step. And now I'll be completely honest with you. I'm looking for that next sort of um, marketing leap to get to, uh, you know, my next rung of success. But so far it's been SEO, but it was just purely experimentation. I'll be honest. 
Yeah. And even talking to obviously so many founders and asking about that through 100 plus episodes, 150 plus episodes now at this point, it is all about testing to figure out what that acquisition channel is going to be in channels. Actually, it's always multiple ones, uh, but you know some are better than others and some are going to be directly uh, beneficial from an ROI perspective, but some are more branding. There's just so many different ways to go about it as you're building a company, as you know, from having run companies before. Um, and on that piece, yeah, the SEO side of it, then becomes more and more valuable. And then you can have the long tail of SEO with kind of different search terms within that. And that's how I've kind of always built uh, the media brands I've been building with Just Go Fitness and Just Go Grind was really looking at the SEO side of things because there's a lot of benefit you can get from that. I just love the idea of writing a really great piece of content that ranks and gets people to come to my site for years to come. That yep. just to me is like, oh, that's so valuable. And even with with COVID times, it's funny thinking about how the spike in traffic on a post I wrote about side hustles mm. uh, probably two years ago when I was really just getting started with Just Go Grind uh, has exploded. I mean, I'm talking like my side traffic, like 3X in like two months, uh, all from one one post. <laughs> Got to get a little lucky, right? Yeah. Like, and and just write enough blogs or posts or content that w- that one of them will get lucky, right? That's my feeling. Yeah. And if you, as you do it more and more, understand how to rank and search is also yep. a method to the madness and understanding more in depth content and around your users. Like what are your users actually searching for? Like for great builds, I'm sure there's a number of different things that people have with questions and you guys are, you know, creating content around that. Right. And as you're growing here, uh, you know, trying to take things to the next level, was this bootstrap to begin with? Was this, was this, did you get some funding to grow this company? I'm just curious about that side of things. Yeah, no, um, I bootstrapped it once I left. I, so I fly, I was flipping homes. I had a business for, for 10 years and I left that and, uh, was kind of looking for the next project. So I decided to uh, put some of my own capital into this and, um, we, we bootstrapped it. We continue to bootstrap it. We're, I don't know, what are we, a, a year and a half in, and we, uh, you know, took us a year to get to our first piece of revenue, you know, our first clients. Um, now we probably have, it, it sort of, you know, takes off a little bit exponentially at once it, once it starts rolling. So, uh, you know, it was six months ago where we only got our first piece of revenue as it's starting to take off. We're, we have nearly $2 million in the pipeline of projects. So that's, that's great. You know, it's sort of yeah. been growing. And we can continue to bootstrap it because the business is profitable um, on a monthly basis. The, you know, for me, the real question about fundraising, which is something I, I haven't thought too much about, but but, but I will explore, is is really um, needing to take on fundraising to instead of growing organically, uh, you know bigger and geographically sort of organically, if I want to hop to the next market or I want to expand into two or three different markets, then I'll probably need to go out and fundraise because I'll need to staff up those areas and so on and so forth. Yeah. On that point too, I'm just curious from your perspective, is it something where, like, how are you thinking through, I guess I would ask, uh, that decision? Um, like before you even started, what did you want this business to, to kind of be? Um, you know, I wish I had a real good answer to what I thought it would be in, in sort of 10 years. I kind of thought there was a need. I mean, I saw, I did, I did my homework. I saw what was available to people in terms of finding a contractor, right? And I saw that, you know, there's really a 
couple options, right? You ask a friend <laughs> for a recommendation. So the really old holistic way that's been around, you know, since, since the caveman, <laughs> you know, who built your cave, right? <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and the other way is you go online and uh, you, you sort of sift through the ver- Yelp or some other various contract review sites. And that's like not the greatest way because you're, you know, in LA County alone, there's over 20,000 licensed general contractors. So it's sort of like, oh, how, what, how, you know, how do you, how do you pick? Right. Um, and, and so I thought there's just a better way to do this. You know, there's other vertical marketplaces that are curated for X or Y. Uh, why can't we do that for, um, uh, for, for this space that people really need? They need help. Um, I started where I live, where you and I live here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles and New York are by far the biggest markets when it comes to construction. Um, yep. I would love to one day um, be throughout California and then grow it, grow it nationwide, I guess, if you want. But a market like ours, uh, because it's not a commodity like shoes or laptops or whatever it is, it's very local. So we have to bring together that marketplace one market at a time locally. We have to bring the clients to bear, which means marketing. We just talked about that. We have to go out and and our um, staff has to, find and vet and screen and talk to a bunch of local contractors because contractors don't LA contractors don't work in the Bay area or San Diego or vice versa. So it's always a local market. So we just have to, we're going to stick in LA until we capture a bigger piece of that market and we can help more people in LA have good experiences. And then, um, you know, we're, we're kind of organically spreading to Ventura County now because of the geography, you know, geographic, proximity or organically yep. spreading to orange county but one day you know two three years from now i'd love to be throughout california and then start taking over you know the u.s and with that paul looking at the contractor side of things how are you going about uh one i would say just getting new contractors on, on board and then all like also taking through a little bit more of, of that process because that is the, you know that's the thing is finding the right contractors to match people up with like uh, how, take me through how you're going uh approaching that process paul yeah great point right so i could go online and find like we said twenty thousand contractors with um with with great profiles and pictures and everyone's got uh good reviews because their cousins you know Tell, tell you how good they are. They're great. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing work. That's weird. You have last the same last name. Is that weird? No, that's um, strange. Uh, yeah. So what we decided to do is really take a different tack. What I learned flipping homes, and I learned even more so as I continue to do this, is some of the best contractors out there don't advertise. They're not online. They're, they don't send you, you know, brochures and and flyers, uh, you know, in in in, in snail mail. They don't advertise because they don't need to. They 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 they, they work uh, on referral. People love them and people keep referring them. So they they don't. So so it's our job to find those kind of contractors. And what we do is we talk to our friends and we talk to our network and we talk to other contractors we know. And we say who are the good guys. And every time we talk to a client, and maybe they don't hire one of our contractors, but they do hire a, another contractor, we stay. Um, we stay in touch with them and we say, how was your experience with XYZ contractor? Loved him. He was amazing or her. We go, okay, well, we need their name. Okay. Then yeah. we get a hold of them. So, so we, we specifically look for contractors that come kind of referred to us. Then, you know, I feel strongly that there's a, there's a process that I developed over the years to, 
do your best. You can't always know for sure, but you do your best. You check as many boxes as you can and see and look for red flags. And if at the end of that process, there are no red flags, you've got a pretty good chance. And our boxes are, you know, we do an interview in person with, with the manager, not the salesperson, but, but the owner of the company. Okay. Uh, we call their references always, always, always call their references and ask them questions like, yeah, you loved him. I get that. But if there was one thing he could do better, if there was anything <laughs> that would, no, do you want to find that out? Uh, we check out what their experience is like. We, we run a full background check. We do a financial review. We obviously check their online ratings and reviews. We go to the state license board, make sure there's no derogatory issues there and that they've been licensed for over you know a year or two, right? Um, we check their insurance. Sometimes we call their insurance broker and make sure that, uh, that, that there were no issues, no lawsuits. Uh, we verify their local expertise to make sure where they work. And then the last thing we do is we develop a 20-point code of conduct here's our expectations of you, you know, here's 20 things we expect you to do. And we hand that to every contract and we say, if you want to be part of this network, you have to agree to abide by these and we're going to hold you to it. So if, if, if there's a, you know, if there's a client that you take on for us and we find that you're not, you know, uh, meeting these expectations, you're likely to be kicked out of the network. So all those 10 screening points. And I feel like we have a much, much, much better chance than, than luck to find the good contractors. And with those contractors then, for them, being on your platform, is it just literally a matter of getting more business for them? They're like, oh, of course, I'll be on it. Or like, what's the what's the pitch to them to even get them on board? Well, some people, you know, some people aren't into it because again, they're working off referral and they're busy. And so we, we get as many no's as we get yeses. Uh, for the yeses, I think it's, you know, um, when some of our competitors online they, their business model is they sell leads. They get somebody, uh, a client online to fill out a form that says, here's, I want a kitchen model. My name is, you know, Sue and here's my phone number and email. And they'll pass that along to, um, to the contractor and they'll charge them $20, $100, whatever for that lead. And they'll also sell that same lead to five, 10, God knows how many other contractors. So the problem for Sue, she gets inundated with calls. From contractors that she doesn't know are good or bad. And the problem for the contractor is <laughs> the joke I hear all the time is uh, I, I got a lead from XYZ company. I showed up and I'm like the fifth truck there. <laughs> so, so it's not, it's not ideal. So for, for our, uh, for our contractors, we say, look, number one, we don't charge you a lead fee at all. We only charge you. We're totally aligned. We only charge you if you get the project and we don't charge you all up front. We charge you some of it or half of it. When, when you get your first big check and you're starting and we don't charge you the rest of it until you're done, which means that you finish the job, you're happy, the client's happy. So we're aligned there. And we also say is we're trying to educate the client too. So we spend five minutes, 10 minutes, sometimes half an hour on the phone with a client talking about their needs, making sure that their budget is realistic, figuring out where they're in the process. Do you have plans? Do you plan to move out of your house? We're, we're providing them really vetted. I wouldn't call them vetted, but um, curated clientele that, that, that have a sense of what they need, that have a realistic budget, uh, that are now educated, uh, that are now ready to meet contractors. So um, one is we don't make them pay until they succeed. And two is that we, uh, we, we, we give them clients that are legit. I mean, there's just some clients that would like a million dollar kitchen, but they'd like to spend $5,000 and we will tell them up front, we're, we're just, we're not going to beat around the bush. 
for $5,000, we think you ought to paint your cabinets or change your uh, countertop. That is not enough for a kitchen remodel. We'll tell them honestly, a kitchen remodel costs forty to $70,000. I, I get it if, if it's not a fit for you right now. And if you have a budget of X, uh, we'll give you some insight as to what you can do. Uh, but that's probably not a job a contractor wants to take on because we, why would we waste the time of the client to have them meet with contractors that are going to give them a bid that's four times what they want to spend or waste the time of the contractor to meet with a client who's not realistic. So as a matchmaker, we have to match it right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the name of the game in that you want to build that trust as well. It would appear obviously that would, in this industry, especially <laughs> is especially important. That's right. And with great builds, then just looking at where you're looking to to grow, you've already you've been around for a year and a half. You have like two million dollars in bookings in terms of uh, contractors, then, and you've talked a little bit about the growth already. But for you, are those next things a matter of uh, a new market? Just focusing in really the market you have now. Like, how do you kind of balance those two things in terms of looking at growth of like new markets completely and and really just like expanding uh, into like your current kind of area you're in right now in Southern California? Yeah. I mean, look, we're really, we're still very, very tiny when it comes to the the, the market just in Southern California. Um, so I think that frankly, it's easier to scale where you're at, right? I have, we have an office, we have our staff and it's easier to just train people here and continue to grow here. I, I think I could probably work in Los Angeles for the next five years and scale this company here. So it's a really good question and one that I don't really have an answer to as to when I'd like to take the next leap into. I'd love to be in San Diego. I'd love to be in the Bay Area, but I think it it, it speaks to um, building out a team there and you lose control, right? As, a, as someone who's built businesses before, uh, I really like to work in my own backyard. I have a little bit of an aversion, even when it comes to, you know, I, I own some real estate and I have I, all of it's in Southern California, so I'm not well, <laughs> well diversified. So I believe like in real estate, we kind of have this saying of like buy property where, where you can drive to it. Because if it's in if it's in Las Vegas or Nashville, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind and, and you can't get to it easily. So um, I have to get past that sort of aversion or that rule to kind of scale a business. When I was flipping homes, I was flipping in Southern California because let's face it, real estate is sort of a, a localized business just because I know what real estate, the real estate market's like in LA does not mean I understand Charlotte whatsoever. And my joke always was, if I want to start investing in real estate in Charlotte, I have to be okay with being the dumbest real estate investor in Charlotte because, <laughs> because I'm dumb, but because I'm new. Yeah, you're new. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know what I don't know. So, um, so it's not, that that's not. It's a little different for this business. I think I could, you know, go to San Diego. But again, I have to reinvent that because no one in San Diego knows great builds. So we have to start essentially from scratch. Okay, how do we build the SEO presence in San Diego? How do we build the networks in San Diego? So it is a little bit like picking up the the, the same business model, starting it again in this geography and then again in the next geography. So it's a little harder than just scaling a, 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 like a nationwide business. 
Yeah, and one thing that you mentioned that I definitely want to talk about now is the flipping of homes because uh, there's entrepreneurship can be a lot of different things and people are definitely going to be interested in, in that side as well. And I talked to people who have done that before in Phoenix uh, with American One Real Estate and I found it fascinating. But you, looking at with Westcliff Realty LLC, had resold over 350 homes. like So purchase, renovate, and resold over 350 homes. That's a lot. I want to know what, like from that experience, one, how did that get started in the first place? Like what was the, the early ones, the early days? I'm curious about that because it's taking it back a bit. Uh, and let's start with that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I met the partner in that business at a networking event. So it's one of those sort of serendipitous things. I used to be in real estate development and spent a couple of years after I was out of that um, figuring out what I wanted to do next. Um, I didn't think it was going to be flipping homes, but I met this guy and we, we started having a conversation and I had some investors and he had done a few homes. So we sort of got together and we, we sort of just tried it. And it was, I mean, looking back on it, it was a, it was sort of a comedy of errors. It was again, like we were the dumbest flippers in LA because we were the newest flippers in LA. Um, but we just like anyone that builds a business being naive is I don't know if I'd say it was a good thing, but it was just a thing. And uh, we didn't know what we didn't know. So we just hustled. We uh, we sat in an office like that was, you know, I don't know, 100 square feet or whatever. And we called real estate agents and we just looked for deals. And at, at that point, 2009, it was all foreclosures and short sales. So we, we I, I'd say our, you know, like like real in real estate, it's all about the timing and the timing was was right. And we started with one home and man we we just didn't know what we were doing and we did it all wrong and you know we, we learned you know that it had a septic tank it just had it was just it was just you know we didn't know what we were doing and so um we learned from that home and then we went to the next one we learned from that one but i'll tell you this with flipping homes even after 350 homes there's still things you can learn because again it's, I keep coming back to it, real estate and homes and property and construction. It's the antithesis of a commodity business like shoes or laptops. And one of my favorite things about flipping was you walk into a house and it's a puzzle. It, it, literally, it's a puzzle because every home is completely different. And that was one of my favorite things about flipping the house is you walk in and walk in my partner and usually an acquisition guy or a project manager and we'd all look around and say, this wall, that wall, the kitchen, do we move this? Do we need to add a bedroom? This hallway's too long. You learn stuff after so many homes that you could say, here's what a here's what the right layout would be. Well, yeah, but it's gonna be too expensive. We can only afford to pay this. And literally we'd be able to walk into a home 30 minutes later, either say, Nope, not interested, let's kill it. 30 minutes later, be able to say, Okay, here's the right thing to do to this house and be able to like just for, from walking it, figure out. Okay, this is going to cost about $120,000 so we can afford to offer this. We would know what to look for. We would go in the backyard and we would like look over the fence. We would just we would just be quiet for five, you know, a few minutes and we'd listen for things like freeway noise or mechanics tools or roosters, you know, I mean or or farm <laughs> we would we would smell, we would smell yeah. like we would just know kind of what to look for so you get you get good at it but still after that many homes there's still surprises that come up and it's still a learning experience um but the best part about that was uh that i enjoyed the most was a the puzzle walking into that house and figuring out what to do and what it costs and the best you know ideas for turning that into something spectacular and then b 
being done at the very end and being staged and beautiful and people walking in and ooing and aahing. Um, but the part in between, which was quote unquote, you know, how the sausage gets made, uh, you know, after 10 years, I'll be honest, I got burnt out because we had some good contractors, they got busy and they couldn't take on it. You know, and then we had end up with some bad contractors and that, that takes a lot out of you, you know, was working with these bad contractors and that that's where this whole thing came from. Yeah. And it is interesting because to that point, like, yeah, you get all these good contacts, but then eventually they're busy. There's just, they don't have any more availability. And then it's like, Oh, I got to find other ones that maybe you don't know as well or just aren't as good. I'm sure there's issues. And, uh, for me, like I've always loved watching HGTV and watch the home flips. So, right. so that's something I've always been interested in. I've never dabbled in it or, you know, I don't know if that's ever something I will ever dabble in, but I always just been fascinated by it just from looking at like what something is and what it could become. And to your point of like, you're loving the puzzle of what this is going to look like. Um, yeah. Watching those has always been kind of fun and fascinating for me. And even looking at like playing the Sims growing up and just like playing with homes, just like customizing that. Like I've always kind of done that. Um, so I, I do find it really interesting uh, to, to be in that. And then you mentioned kind of burning out from that experience, but that was, that was 10 years. Like you could have stopped at nine years or eight years or seven years. You know, like how did you like actually kind of figure out that, okay, like, Let's move on to something else. Yeah, there's a couple things, and it was uh, it was an interesting conversation with with my partner because you know been in this for ten years, and it was one of those it's 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 not you, it's me conversations, you know, where it's like uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm divorcing you, I'm leaving, uh, but but it's not because of you. I mean, you know, I got to the point, I got I was getting a little older, um, and I was getting there were a few things. I was getting to the point where yeah, I was losing sleep over it, and that was, I realized that I got to, I got to change my life. And part of it was, was sort of the stress that I'd built up over time. I, I, we were having this, I like to say, I was having the same stress over and over and over and over and over again. And I wanted to stop and try something new where I'd have a new form of stress, but at least I didn't have that same form of stress, right? Over and over and over. So that was number one. Number two is when you're flipping homes, it's, uh, it's, I like to say, it's like playing craps. You, you buy a home, you sell it. Now you have enough cash to buy two homes. Awesome. You buy two homes, uh, you sell those. Now you have three homes. The money is always out on the craps table. You're always rolling into big, you know, we started small projects, then we got bigger projects, then we started building, you know, custom homes that sold for millions of dollars. So like you're always putting your money out um, in hopes of, of a return. And after a while, I sort of thought like, how long can this bull market in real estate last. And I, frankly, I got out because I thought it'd be over by now and I, I, I'd be wrong. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but the fact was to take, like to walk away from that craps table and just sort of take your money off the table and say, okay, um, I've done this long enough and now I want to sort of cash out a bit. Uh, that was sort of an opportunity to do that. So it was the burnout. Uh, it was the sort of desire to try something new or to, to do something new. It was the desire to you know, take a little off the table and just sort of walk away and say, um, you know, hey, that was pretty good. That was a good run. Uh, I'm going to walk from the table. So it was, it was a combination of things. And, you know, my business partner um, continues to flip homes. So, um, you know, whether my timing was right, I have no idea, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it's all good. It seems like your timing was right for you, at least. Yeah, exactly. And and with that, I mean, have you always been entrepreneurial, Paul? I think so. Yeah, I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur. I mean, small time. He, you know, he had his own businesses, and and um, 
I, you know, I, I work with him and, and um, from a young age, I sort of saw that, that that was um, kind of the way to go. Um, but yeah, you know, but I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would, would relate to this. Um, we hate working for other people. We, uh, <laughs> we, we want to make our own mistakes, but we don't want anyone else to tell, you know, someone telling us we're making mistakes. We don't want to do it someone else's way. Um, but I did work, you know, I, I, I did a, a USC, I did a master's of real estate development when I was, when I was younger. And then I worked for 10 years in, in real estate development for others. And it was a great learning experience. So I'm not one of those drop out of Harvard and start your, you know, your tech <laughs> yeah. company. That's not who I did my time. And I paid my dues. Um, and then I really wanted to sort of go on my own and, and, and it hasn't always worked. I, I, uh, before I even got into flipping, I was, I, I, I thought I wanted to do, a, I wanted to be a private, um, a real estate private equity investor. And I tried to raise a fund, uh, not, not exactly well-timed. I did, it was a small fund. It wasn't terribly successful. Um, learned a lot, but again, it was one of those, you can't always succeed. And I tried hard. I mean, I tried hard for a couple of years and realized raising money, or at least for this product that, that I offered was, was not either. I wasn't good at it, which I think I wasn't, uh, I'm not a, a natural money raiser. Um, but uh, also just between the timing and what I was doing, I, I just, I, I didn't succeed. It was fine, but um, it, it didn't work. And, um, and that's okay. Right. I think, um, most entrepreneurs know that you got to fail to succeed. Yeah, there's going to be a number of those. I mean, just looking at basically any entrepreneur and even ones you don't yeah. think uh, typically, like, oh, they seem to have home runs all the time. It's like, okay, that's all ones you know about. <laughs> you know, there's all so many things that people maybe won't publicize or things that they've tried that haven't worked out. And it is just that idea of continuing on to try things try more things. I mean, it's same with when you're running a business and testing, like we said, the acquisition channels, it's like even the businesses themselves, you're trying different ones out and seeing what's going to work, what's not going to work. Um, and you'll, you, know, you only need one or two to do well and you're, you're okay. Um, depending on what the, the outcome is of that. And along the way, I, I know you're a member of a entrepreneur's organization. When did you decide like, you know, we want to be a part of that group and uh, how did that decision go? Um, yeah, I uh, I joined like a subset called um, uh, Entrepreneurs Organization, the the Accelerator Program, probably about ten years ago. I think when I was trying to build my uh, my private equity fund, and then I joined EO a couple years ago. Um, it's an amazing sort of experience. Uh, it's an amazing group of people. What I found was, um, a it, it's really a support group. I mean, if if, if if you as an entrepreneur ever spend time, and I know you do, spend time with other entrepreneurs, it's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, they get you. <laughs> you, you get them. Yeah. Uh, you can cry on each other's shoulders. And, and then, in addition to that, uh, when you're starting a company, there's a resource there. You can ask them, hey, you know, I'm having this problem. Have you ever had it? And so EO provides you with this network of people on a regular basis, you know, you meet monthly and, and have these events and you speak the same language and you could kind of um, empathize with other people. But what's cool about it is part of the code of EO is to speak from experience. So um, there's no opinions, if you will. So someone might say, I'm, I'm, I'm having this marketing problem. And that, that is what I actually did say that about a year ago to my EO forum group. I said, I'm having this problem. I don't know how to market my business. And they would say, well, they wouldn't say, well, my opinion is you should do this or do that. Uh, we went around the room and they said, 
well, my experience with marketing is, is this or this and this, or they might say, um, well, when I was first starting my business, my problem was uh, I didn't have enough exposure and this. So you don't get any straight answers, but what you get is experience shares. And that's more valuable because you don't want 10 opinions because that doesn't help which, which one's right. Nobody knows, but you want their experience share. So that helps, um, helps you see, you know, what they did and how they did it and whether it succeeded, whether it failed. And it really, there's always a gem there for you to take away and say, huh, okay. So, and, and there was, there, there was a gem for me where I really realized, um, oh, okay, I guess it is experimentation. I hate reinventing the wheel. I want someone to just tell me how to do it because there are lots of people in this world that have done it. Um, but they, but through that experience, they, you know, I, I learned that, hey, everybody's got to experiment with it and, and, and that's okay. And I have to accept that. But it's a long way of saying, yeah, EO is a really uh, tremendous um, group where you get to be with, with people like yourself and get to learn these amazing things that you wouldn't otherwise get to learn. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's it's so much power within having that network. And that was the reason why I went to USC to get the MBA. I mean, it was all about that network and what that would lead to from that, just understanding the long-term vision, like big picture of what, uh, what I want as an entrepreneur. And like, you're going to probably start multiple businesses if you're entrepreneurial and along the way to have a network for the rest of your life is so incredibly valuable. And then obviously through Just Go Grind with the podcast and everything, building, I mean, a network I probably never could have imagined of two and a half years ago uh, already. And it's, it's pretty quickly grown in, pretty insane, actually. Um, and that's just valuable to have as that fallback, to be able to ask questions, to be able to have that support. And then also just business opportunities that come up because of that as well. You mentioned meeting uh, your partner and talking about what you want to do with flipping homes. It's like, yeah, there, there's things like that that come out as well when you just are, are in these networks and you're helping people and trying to offer your experience as well. And then it comes back to you as well. So it I can't really highlight that enough of how important that that part of it is. And and Paul, where can people go to learn more about what you're doing with Great Builds? Yeah, uh, you could check out our uh, website, uh, www.greatbuilds, with a Z at the end, um, .com. You could check out my LinkedIn profile because I couldn't agree with you more, Justin, <laughs> that uh, just reaching out pe to people cold, you'll, you know, you'll get a response half the time. Use these podcasts. I think what you're doing is amazing because Every time I listen to one of your podcasts or other business podcasts, there's always a gem that comes out of it. And I always think, man, what a brilliant entrepreneur. And I just, it, there's just so many resources out there that um, I, I think people, young entrepreneurs or young folks wanted to get into it. Just, there's just so many options now that, that didn't exist uh, 10 years ago and they should take advantage of them. Yeah. And I'll be sure to link all, all of that in the show notes at justgogrind.com uh, slash podcast and make sure you have LinkedIn profile linked up and everything else. And yeah, there's just so many great resources now. It's like just being uh, ambitious and going after it and reaching out is something you have to do. But, but Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks, Justin. N nice being with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. 
justgrowgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.